Under the Banner of Heaven, A Story of Violent Faith is a nonfiction book by John Krakauer that was recently adapted and released as a limited streaming series on Hulu. In the book and TV series, two stories are examined. The Origin and Evolution of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, and a modern double murder committed in the name of God by brothers Ron and Dan Lafferty, who subscribed to a fundamentalist version of Mormonism. In the years prior to the murder, Ron and Dan Lafferty became increasingly interested in Mormon groups that accepted many beliefs of the original LDS Church, including polygamy and direct communication with God. Ron and Dan were charged for the throat-slashing homicides of their sister-in-law, Brenda Wright Lafferty, and her 15-month-old daughter, Erica, that occurred on July 24, 1984. Ron, a self-proclaimed prophet, claimed to have received a revelation from God, in which he was instructed to remove several people, including the two victims. Every church, every denomination, and every religious group has its own broken past, scars, and ugliness. But is the LDS Church just like any other Christian denomination? Speaking of which, are Mormons just other Christians that happen to have a different form of practice and worship, like Baptists, Methodists, or Presbyterians? Or was the church actually founded on something completely different than biblical Christianity? the Beards and Bible Podcast. My name is Josh, and I would say I am joined by Gabe, but alas, I am not. Gabe has has abandoned me, and uh, he's not really abandoned me. He is actually headed to D.C. Uh, to be a part of a ministry called David's Tent, where on behalf of the state of Alabama, he'll be leading worship for about six hours tomorrow. So if you're in the D.C. area, um, you can swing by and say hello to Gabe and worship with him. So I've got no Gabe tonight, um, or whenever you're listening to this, but um, I am joined by my friend Blair. So Blair, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. And I can actually hear you now. We were having Yay! an issue with your microphone, but I can hear you. So that's good. So so Blair, you're just a little bit different from Gabe, but I, I mean, think I'm you'll female. do. Yeah, no beard. <laughs> I mean, you could I have tried. I tried real hard, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Beards and Bible podcast, but uh, I think we'll let it slide. So, does it count if my husband has one? I think so. Okay. Your your husband has a amazing beard too. It's like dark and rich and full. Yes, he can grow quite the beard. I think the reason that I think your husband's beard is so great is that used to be what my beard looked like ten years ago, and now uh, I look like Santa Claus and Kenny Rogers together. So. Well, um, he has the same name going as well. So absolutely, yeah. For some reason, I still remember. Is his middle name Neil? Yes. How did I know your husband's middle name? That's the strangest thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't talked to you guys in years, and I'm like, I still remember. It's Joshua Neil Wilcox. So there you go. So Blair, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you and I met and how you and I know each other. Yeah. Um, so. A little bit about myself. I am a licensed cosmetologist, um, but I'm now a stay-at-home homeschool mom of three. And awesome. Yeah, it's an adventure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think never... you have two more children now than the last time we talked, so. 
Yeah, I think the last time we talked, there was one in the womb, and that was probably wow. the last time we saw. So yeah, we've added yeah. a third. His name's Wade. Um, awesome. He's almost too crazy. Just yeah, yeah. It's wild over here. Um, awesome. and then yeah, we met through um church, and uh, me and my husband were not married yet, and we were visiting church and we were being introverts and you walked up to us and I was like oh no Is that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey but I seem to remember did were you a server at uh Red Robin for a while was that right yes, yes. okay and your wife loved the fries when she was pregnant that is right yeah so I think I remember meeting you briefly at Red Robin but I don't think we made the connection that that the uh the new girl and her husband at church was the same girl that was the server at Red Robin until yeah. much later, but and yeah. I, I feel like the experience crew came to Red Robin quite a bit. We whenever did. I yeah, well, and also I I was trying to avoid y'all, so it felt <laughs> like even more so. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So man, we go way back. So that was probably seven, eight years ago, maybe 2014, 2015. Um, it was 2014 um, okay. when I first started attending. Yeah. All right. So I got the uh, the honor of officiating your and your husband's wedding. Cute little ceremony we did on a Saturday morning. I still remember that. Yeah. And, and uh, um, your lumberjack shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I still wear that shirt from time to time. So uh, don't make fun of that shirt. That's a that's a great one. <laughs> so yeah. So um, sometime into uh, getting to know you and your husband, you shared a little bit about your story, and. Um, and so we we spoke a little bit about it, and you guys were in a class that I taught called Foundations, which was just basic Christian theology. And the one thing that I remember, this is before I knew your story, uh, you would send me pages and pages and pages of questions and emails. And so I remember um, going, my goodness, like th this girl is really wanting to know like some details about theology and some details about the Bible and some, and then when I heard your story, um, it kind of made sense. Yeah. So, um, um, I, I think I got your email address and definitely abused it. <laughs> Which <is> like, <laughs> every Monday morning you would have just an email waiting from Blair of like, I need you to clarify on this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of funny, like that. Those, uh, so we used to play. That was a class on a Sunday afternoon, and we used to play kind of um, Q and A, stump the chump, kind of just, hey, what's your Bible questions? And I would say that that probably was what got the wheels turning in my head and Gabe's head to do a podcast like this. So many years later, we're still kind of fishing around for questions like that, and through conversations we have with people in the church and other places, we come up with podcast topics and, and, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, creepily enter into people's ears, whether mowing their yard or folding their laundry. So <laughs> that's kind of how we do it. So, so, um, I reached out to you about three, four weeks ago because my wife and I started watching a mini series on Hulu called under the banner of heaven. And, um, I thought of you, and I reached out to you because Under the Banner of Heaven is about the LDS Church. 
And there were some things in that series that I thought, my goodness, this is like very detailed. And I would love to know what Blair thought about that. So we started kind of talking a little bit and I said, man, I'd love to have you on the podcast to talk about the miniseries. And so you got a chance to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched it, um, over, well, I binged watched it in a waiting room, um, to get caught up. And then as they've come out, I've been watching them. Yeah. Um, my husband can always tell when I'm watching it. Cause I, I really heavy breathe. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell everybody what your connection is with the LDS church and kind of why you're our resident uh, LDS experts on Beards and Bible podcast. Yeah. Um, man. So I've been trying to think of where to even start on all of this because it, it's so convoluted and hard um, to start unpacking. But sure. um, the, the main thing is I was a member of the LDS church and um, I joined my senior year of high school. Um, and, uh, somewhere in there, um, I started having questions, um, but didn't officially leave until, um, uh, it was probably 2014 that I mm -hmm. like left. And then I had my name officially removed from the records in 2018. Um, so it took me even longer to officially like say I'm removing my name. Sure. Yeah. So when you first came into the LDS church, like what was it about the church itself or the teaching of the church or the message of the church that you found attractive and you found compelling? Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing is family. Um, yeah. they, they package up the perfect happy family so well and um sorry i'm like shaking and emotional no, already you're so good. You're good. <laughs> um yeah it was like basically whenever i heard that families could be together forever hmm. and i saw this family that i was um, friends with having a family home evening which is every monday night they would get together and um, they did it different, uh, different ways. They would um, sometimes play a board game together or they would watch a movie together or they would have a lesson together. And I just was like, this is how it's done. Hmm. And it was just, I came from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was three. My mom was married to a slew of jerks. And then hmm. like, just, you know, it, it was just, I found the key. And I was like, yeah. all right, I'm going to go have my perfect family. And wow. um, yeah, that was, I, I was hooked at that point. Sure. So it was mainly like the relationships and the people in it. They seemed very loving, caring, um, welcoming, accepting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, whenever I got labeled an investigator, um, so if you're, taking the lessons with the, the missionaries, um, they call you an investigator. You're investigating the church. You're learning more about the church. And I mean, I got the Royal treatment and it was like, everybody wanted to know who I was and they wanted to bring me cookies and they wanted to love on me. And 
I was just like, well, okay, like nobody at my church treats me like this. And you wow. know, it's like, yeah, it it was they they saw me and just completely wrap me up in just like sure. love and warmth. So did you have a background growing up in church? Like did you grow up in the in the Christian church? Yeah. Um so my dad is actually a pastor. And okay. um yeah, I I definitely grew up in the church. Um I grew up mostly Baptist. Um okay. my mom would consider herself Southern Baptist and I think my dad would I, I think Christian of course, but I don't know if he would label himself Baptist anymore. Right. So what you saw growing up in the church, was that a healthy, good, welcoming thing? Or did you see some ugliness in the church that kind of left a bad taste in your mouth? I don't know if I necessarily saw a ton of ugliness. Um, I, I was really young. Um, yeah. I did see uh, kind of mm, youth group type stuff. like Sure. Um, but for the most part, I it was normal, you know, it was just like, it's Sunday, we go to church and, um, there, there wasn't much more to it for me. Um, so I, I guess the difference was that whenever I went to the LDS church, I felt like I'd kind of, um, leveled up, you know, like in a, in a game or something, I was like, Oh, so this is like the next level. This is like, the right thing and so it was like it wasn't that i felt i was leaving what i had grown up knowing and that that didn't really come or become clear until much later after i'd already been baptized gotcha so was part of the appeal then like i mean obviously you said the community and the close-knit relationships but it almost sounds like too part of the appeal was almost like a spiritual elitism maybe is that is that do you think it'd be um, accurate or maybe something different than that? Maybe not elitism, but definitely that, um, like I'd found the true church and they, they would gotcha. say that. Yeah. Okay. So it was like that I had, I had been looking for truth and I mm-hmm. had found it. Okay. So like there's kind of this secret underground church and you happen to find the pearl of great price to, to quote the <laughs> right. The, the, the yeah. part of the Mormon scriptures. Yeah. So how long into your membership in the LDS church was it before you started to notice some things that confused you or, or kind of bothered you? It wasn't long. Um, yeah. I was, I was baptized and I immediately stopped going to classes with my friend who, um, she was 17, I was 18. And um, so she would attend the young women's um, section and I would go to the Relief Society, um, which is the women of the church would go um, to Relief Society. And it was pretty soon into like just regular church attendance that I was just like, I don't understand anything that's being taught right now. Mm. Um, and it, the emphasis was no longer on the Bible, which whenever I was taking the lessons with the missionaries, there were a lot of um, kind of companion scriptures. So they would 
um, take a, a Bible verse and then they would take a verse from the Book of Mormon and kind of like marry them. And so sure. I was like, oh, they, they go hand in hand. Um, but then once I got into the church more and um, actually started attending, I realized that the Bible wasn't an emphasis at all. Hmm. Um, it was almost like an afterthought. It was like, oh, yeah, we should probably read that this year um, kind of thing. It, it was all about the Book of Mormon or right. um, the, the LDS scriptures. Okay. And so the LDS scriptures would be Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. Yeah. Pearl of Great Price, yeah. Okay. Or so, also um, any general conference teachings. So the enzyme okay. would be also considered like current scripture. Okay. So explain that a little bit. The The general conference would be like the living apostle, right? Yeah. That still so, receives direct communication with God. And anything this man says is considered scripture. Correct? Right. Okay. Right. So it, anything that he says, um, as well as anything that the general authorities, um, which like there's a whole hierarchy of mm -hmm. um, the leaders, but um, anything that he says, his apostles, the general authorities below him would all be taken into account as scripture um, as long as it came from like a general conference. And right. Okay. It, that's also like any previous prophets. So like they, gotcha. a lot of members would like hold on to enzymes from like 1970 something or 1980 something. Um, okay. And there, it, it was like, it, it still is relevant. Sure. So that, did that bother you that you're like, wow, it seems like this is more emphasized than scripture with, and that started kind of turning the wheels in your head. Like something's not right with this. Yeah, well, it felt like I could never learn it all. I could never, hmm. um, I could never get to where I felt like I had a grasp on it. Um, and it got to where I, I was almost like looking and judging other Mormons to see if I was measuring up to them. And it's like, am I Mormon enough? Am I um, doing this right? because I, I didn't grow up in it. And so mm -hmm. um, I felt just like I was drinking from a water hose on trying to read everything and understand everything and do enough, essentially. Yeah. Would you say that um, their understanding of salvation, did it include any aspect of grace or was it primarily... Yeah, unpack that a little bit. What was that like? I mean, was it just constantly living under the weight of you just have to do more and do more and do more and do more? Yeah. Um, I want to be careful because <laughs> I think that I put pressure on myself. I, mm. um, I like to do things correctly and um, I like to know as much as I possibly can. Um, and I, so I, I know that from the emails you used to send me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, dig. And then I, I married a guy that digs even more than I do. So yeah. like we, we really evaluate things, but, um, <laughs> you guys make a good team. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so as far as, uh, like grace, 
that wasn't really enough. Um, and in the mm -hmm. teaching that I was, it, I, I remember sitting in a Sunday school class and asking about grace and the um, illustration that they put on the board was that um, God gave us grace and it covers where man falls short, but man should try to meet grace. And so he actually like drew it, like we should do everything that we possibly can to be as perfect as we possibly can. And then whenever we fall short, that's whenever grace applies. Hmm. So and, grace is almost like that booster shot after having done all you can do, then you get a little bit of grace to kind of get you over the top to right, yeah. earn your salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as far as like salvation, it, it was like a formula. It was, um, you've got to make sure that you're saying your morning and night prayers. You've got to make sure that you're um, reading your scriptures morning and night. Um, you've got to make sure that you're attending the temple, you're attending all of your uh, meetings. And then if you do all of those things, then there's also more works that you apply to all of the things and it's just like constantly works driven wow so baptism is salvific in the mormon faith you have to be baptized to be saved yes but you're baptized but you're also kind of initiated through what is that called confirmed or what what's the the name for that um yeah so baptism and confirmation that okay. um the the first level of um kind of ordinances that okay. would happen okay and and marriage is also considered a very holy sacrament and a little bit different than how kind of orthodox christianity sees it because jesus said in the gospels in the kingdom we're not married or given to marriage but we're like the angels right so the scriptures and uh, the New Testament seems to say that our marriages are temporary and that in the new heaven, new earth, that we're together, but we're all married to Christ. But in the Mormon church, it's something completely different. So what, right. what is that? I unpack that a little bit. So um, there is what they call the plan of salvation. Um, mm -hmm. And in that plan, um, when you do all of the plan to salvation, then there's exaltation. So at exaltation, that's where you have to also receive your temple endowments um, and you have to be sealed um, to a worthy uh, temple spouse. Um, so like level one would be the endowment and then sealing, which would be a um, marriage for time and all eternity. Okay, so the understanding of is in the life to come, which there's a different understanding of heaven too. There's different levels and understandings of what that is, but you stay married to your spouse through all eternity mm -hmm. and your children stay with you as well through all eternity. Is that kind of the... Yes. And okay. um, yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> There's so much to this <laughs> that it's <Okay>. like, <laughs> this is just like surface level right now. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But 
yeah, so husband and wife um, become gods. Okay. And gods of their own planet. Um, so they believe that uh, it's that we are on earth to become like God. Um, okay. And so that that's where like the twisting of like made in the image of God um, scriptures and that kind of stuff. So, right. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, the, I, the ultimate hope is that we would basically be exalted to a point of, you know, I, Godhood. Right. So yeah. there's that saying, you know, as God is, we may someday become, and as we are, God once was. So the ultimate goal for a good Mormon is to ascend to that place of becoming a God themselves. Mm -hmm. Did you find that out right when you joined or did it took you a while to, to kind of peel back the onion and find that out? Oh no, I didn't find that out until I think I was in at two years at that point. And, um, I, I, so I, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I was previously married and um, I was married to someone who um, grew up in the church and was also the missionary that taught me. Um, and so I basically asked him about some stuff that I'd found online. And um, that was whenever I found out about the uh, Godhood because I hadn't been through the temple yet. Um, mm. So I, I didn't know any of these beliefs um, that you basically learn in the temple. Um, and so I just found this online and he was like, oh, it sounds like you found some anti-literature. Um, so maybe just like put that on your shelf for right now and don't don't worry about it too much. So um, when you say anti-literature, that's a phrase they throw around? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that means anything that would question or be skeptical of any teachings of the Mormon church is called anti-literature. Pretty much would be okay. anti-literature. Yeah. So anything that is, um, I mean, it, I, I would say anything that is questioning what they're doing um, mm -hmm. would be considered anti-literature. Gotcha. So he said, don't think about it, put it on the shelf, put it out of your mind. Yeah. Um, he said that it's something that like you can revisit at another time um, and that like maybe it'll start making sense the longer you're in. Um, mm. And um, that kind of became the phrase um, anytime I had a question um, is like, don't don't worry about it too much right now. Like it'll make sense eventually. It'll it'll make sense in the afterlife. It'll you know, like all of these things mm. kind of started to build up and I called it um, my back burner um, that I just kept putting things on the back burner, but then my yeah. back burner was full. Mm. Yeah. I would never recommend this musical, but I think you were the first one that um, when you were sharing this one the years ago, you talked about the musical, the book of Mormon and how there's a song called turn it off like a light switch yeah. and, and how any doubts that one has, they are commanded to just turn them off. Yeah, like a light switch. It. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just stop questioning. Is it very much just a, um, hey, feel it and look at all the good stuff that we're doing? 
and don't worry about your questions. Those, those are not really that important. Would you say that's oh, yeah. kind of the general? Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much feelings based and, um, anytime that I had a question, it was met with, um, are you doing all of the things that you're supposed to be doing? So are you following the formula of prayers morning and night, scriptures morning and night, um, family prayers, all of the, that formula? Hmm. And have you prayed about it? And usually whenever they ask if you've prayed about it, um, you're supposed to have a feeling. Um, and it, there's there's not a lot of like, well, it is this way because of X, Y, and Z. Like, let me show you in this scripture. It's a lot of, how do you feel about it? Hmm. So when did you know that you um, needed to leave or, or, or did you know that you needed to leave or was it just kind of that things happened to, for the door to open for you to leave at? What was that like? Yeah. Um, I don't think I really knew that I needed to leave. And I think whenever, um, so I separated from uh, my ex-husband and I was leaving the state of Utah and I, um, this isn't very ladylike, but I flipped off the state and I was like, I'm done with this. <laughs> um, and at that point I was just so down and beat up and I thought I was a terrible mom. I thought I was a terrible person and I hmm. couldn't do everything enough. Um, so I don't know that I, I knew that I needed to leave, but I knew that something had to change. And hmm. at that point I was ready to just be done with it all. Like I, I didn't want God. I didn't want church. I, um, I drank a lot. I was just like, I'm, I'm just done. Like, hmm. I'm all churched out. Yeah. 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 Man. I know I've been there in a, in a different sense. I didn't spend time in the LDS church, but I know coming from legalism, that constant burden of just feeling like you can never measure up. Like you just, you can't ever do enough. And God is always sitting up in heaven, just kind of shaking his head and always disappointed in you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I had a viewpoint of God as just being an angry old man that hmm. it was just like a, I'm disappointed in this person and like, you're not doing the things perfectly. And so you're cast out kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. So you came to Tennessee and through God's grace, you started attending our church and uh, you were rebaptized. Right. Yes. Yes. And yeah. so you started a, a faith walk with Jesus in a different way. Instead of trusting in the ordinances of the LDS church, you're trusting in Christ. But um, you've shared with me, um, you know, when that first started, you know, we met several times and you just talked to me how difficult that was. Just those old mindsets were hard to kill. Um, but what what are some things that were challenging or were struggle that you know you 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 kind of had to show grace on yourself through that as you were kind of coming out yeah um i would say letting go of a lot of the rules 
um, and not in a, like, I'm just gonna set fire to the town kind of thing and like abandon yeah. it all, but just to allow myself to make mistakes. And mm. um, so a, a big one for me is um, studying my Bible. And, um, you know, as a mom of three, I have to allow that grace to like pour in that, yeah. um, you know, I can't have the like college level study session that I want to have. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I don't think that five years ago that Blair could have allowed herself to let that go. And, mm. um, you know, the, the girl that was emailing you, I, I purchased like, um, the big old systematic theology and the questions <laughs> book. And I was just like, I was digging in and I was like, I need to know it all. And now I'm just like, you know, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to sing some worship songs. I'm going to model this for my kids that sometimes you can't do it all perfectly. And yeah. that's just kind of where I'm at now is it's just like, hopefully I'm modeling that for them. Well, it sounds to me, and I, thank you for sharing that. It sounds to me like you've, you've grown in your trust of the Lord and your relationship is more personal. It's not trusting in, um, you know, your study of the Bible. It's not trusting in you saying your morning and evening prayers. You're trusting in Christ, yeah, and and in Him to be made right with God. And I think that's that's beautiful. And I know that's probably not as easy as just snapping your fingers and oh look, now I'm not trusting in my morning and evening prayers and not drinking you know hot coffee anymore. It's you know, it's probably a process. I would imagine. Oh yeah. And it's still triggered every now and then, um, which it, you know, it, that word, but, um, it's just like <laughs> every now and then I, I don't realize that there's something new that I haven't dealt with. And it, it kind of feels like the Lord has carried me to certain places and he's like, okay, now it's time that we start unpacking this. Mm. And so it's, it's definitely been something that I, um, I didn't expect to be so long. I thought I would leave and just be done with it and um, that I could just, you know, shed it off of me at like a, a skin. And it has clung to places that, you know, I didn't always expect. And so like, sometimes I'll hear a sermon and um, they'll quote a verse in the Bible that um, all of a sudden it'll be like, ding. And I'm like, oh wait, hold on. Um, I have to reevaluate what this scripture even means. Um, mm. I have to actually hear it through a new set of ears, um, right. and not my LDS ears. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, man, it's encouraging just to, just to hear God's grace through it all that he was with you through it. And, um, man, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah, thanks. This series that you and I both watched, Under the Banner Heaven. <laughs> uh, by the way, did you like how it ended? Don't give anything away. I, Don't give any spoilers. I won't give any spoilers. I loved it. Um, yeah, I did too. I thought I like just props to the creators of this series. Like they did so good. So yeah. good.
Yeah, I, I was very engaged through the whole thing. Um, the the book it was based on, you know, the source nonfiction book, John Krakauer, um, you know, really did his homework in a lot of things that, um, as we'll talk about here in a minute, like pretty hard stuff to find, kind of the history of the LDS church. Like you got to do some digging to find yeah. it because it's pretty secretive. But um, so if you haven't seen it, um, we talked a little bit about it in the intro of this episode. Basically, it's about a murder that happened in 1984, Ron and Dan Lafferty, they were getting into the fundamentalist version of Mormonism that was all about kind of returning to the original LDS church. They were getting into um, some of the original teachings of the LDS church, like what Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were really espousing before the church kind of went through a series of makeovers <laughs> to kind yeah. of make it a little bit more um, mainstreamed. So these two brothers started getting into this sect and their sister-in-law, Brenda, she was also LDS, but she was not into the fundamental LDS. And she was kind of standing up to these two brothers um, and kind of really fighting for their wives and their wives um, being protected from some of these more extreme teachings. So I don't want to give too much away, but essentially these two brothers started believing that God was speaking to them about um, killing Brenda and her 15 month old daughter, Erica doing a practice called blood atonement, which was basically if the blood of a, Mormon spills on the ground, then their sins are atoned for and they still get to go to heaven. So, and that's not really, I mean, that's not really a mainstream teaching of the month, the Mormon church now at all. Right. No. And that is, um, kind of, I mentioned this earlier that I had found some anti literature. Mm -hmm. Um, the website that I had found, it basically detailed previous, um, like temple ceremonies mm -hmm. and how things had changed through the years. Um, and so there have been a lot of makeovers. There have been right. like ever evolving makeovers of what they do in the temple, um, what they teach. Um, yeah. So the, the blood atonement stuff, the, um, the like throat slitting that, right, that right, right, wasn't right. something that I, experienced. Sure. So um, the reason that you and I started talking about this is there's an episode that shows a temple wedding. And being someone that is not familiar with the LDS church, I'm watching the scene and I'm going, holy cow, this is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, people are wearing the strangest outfits, these like weird looking caps. The men are on one side, the ladies are another. They're being taught this like these like hand signals and stuff, one of them involving throat slitting, all this stuff. And so I was like, is this real? So I'm like, I need to find the only person that I would know that would know that. I need to find <laughs> where. So I texted you and I was like, hey, I don't know if you've seen this series, but like, what in the world? Like, what is this? So like, when you got to that part in the series, was that stuff accurate? Was it Hollywood? Was it campy? I mean, what, what parts were accurate? What parts were more Hollywood than they were actual reality? Rooker, it was like 95% accurate. Wow. Um, yeah. Like 
it was so accurate. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember the scenes, um, but like they even got it down to like the families taking pictures um, on the little section of the temple steps. Like that's a thing that happens all the time. Um, hmm. And it, like the, the outfits, like they legit got time period temple clothing. And um, it, another part of my story is that I used to work for the church and um, actually help distribute that temple clothing. And I did so not it was, know that. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it was so accurate. And yeah. I was watching it and I'm just like, okay, I need to process this. And like, this was one of the episodes that I watched at the hospital. And I'm like, is everybody looking at me heavy breathing over here? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry ah! for triggering you with that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Man. So um, the temple scene, for those people listening that may not, understand the significance of that you can't go into the temple if you're not a mormon right yeah. um and not only that you have to have a temple recommend so it's not only being lds but it's also being temple worthy temple worthy means you are in good standing with your ward you don't have anything in your record that would make you a bad mormon you've not drinking yeah. coffee anything like that yeah. so <laughs> this guy's um, drinking coffee he can't come I can't remember how often you go for a temple recommend meeting with your bishop, but um, essentially every, I want to say it's like two years. It may be even more frequent than that because I, a, a lot of this stuff I've just like blocked out and haven't opened up because it, it's just too hard. So um, mm. it, the temple recommend you sit down with your bishop for an interview and they ask you and they actually um showed this in the series with a baptism interview it's very mm -hmm. similar okay um and so what they would do is they have the church handbook and there's a list of questions and in those questions um the bishop will determine if you are worthy to attend the temple or not wow no pressure right yeah <laughs> and one of those things is you absolutely have to be paying your tithing and wow. that is um it's down to like it is 10 percent that is a tithing um mm -hmm. and it, it's um you have to be attending church services weekly um you have to be doing your it, well it used to be called visiting teaching and home teaching um so like that that formula that i was talking about like that's yeah literally like you have to be doing all those things to go into the temple. So then once you actually <clears throat> achieve worthiness to go inside this building, you're in the building, they make it very clear to you, nothing you see here, you can show to a non-Mormon, everything that happens here, this is top secret. Yeah. So before you even go, um, it's very clear that they consider this sacred. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they, they don't talk about it. Me and my um, then husband, we didn't talk about the temple outside of the temple. And if I had questions, um, it was the kind of thing that he would say, like, we can talk about it at the temple. Um, but a lot of the time, we wouldn't even discuss it um, outside wow. of the celestial room. My goodness. Wow. Um, and to add on to that, the first time I went through, um, 
there's a, and it, it when I say go through, um, you go through for your endowment. Um, and then after that, um, you continue to go, but it's not for your own endowment. It's for um, those who have deceased. Um, the baptism of the dead. Well, that, no, <laughs> that's okay. a different part. So okay. the temple has um, baptisms for the dead, the endowment sessions, and sealings. Um, hmm. And so you can go before your endowment and do baptisms for the dead. Um, but once you have your endowment, then you kind of unlock a different part of the temple that you can attend. Wow. So it's almost like those really exclusive um, lounges and airports. There's like the Platinum Delta Sky Club, right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wonder what's behind those doors. <laughs> well, you're not a member. Sorry. You haven't gone through this. Wow. So yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot there just in those scenes that is someone not familiar with the LDS church. I was like, holy cow, that I would have never known that were it not for this series, right? It seems like there was a, there's just a lot within the LDS church that is very secretive, mm -hmm. that they keep very quiet, that they present this front of, we're all about family. We're all about character. We're all about virtuous values. Um, but the thing about, I think the series that was so fascinating is there's a lot in the series about the history of Mormonism that is exceptionally violent. Mm -hmm. Like Joseph Smith and his interactions with the federal government, Brigham Young and his interactions with the federal government in the state of Missouri and in Utah. Um, was that something that, you experienced the church trying to keep the origin story of the LDS church quiet and secretive. I mean, were you aware of kind of the origin story? Was that kind of a, um, a whole, I was a whole aware thing in of, itself? yeah, I was aware of the church narrated origin story. Okay. Um, so I attended the, um, there's temple square. Um, mm -hmm. So for those who are visiting um, Salt Lake, they can't go into the temple, but they can go into Temple Square. And there are videos there that are shown, um, such as the Joseph Smith movie. Um, and uh, there's several exhibits about Brigham Young and some of the church history. And so um, I, I watched those movies and those portrayals of the history. Um, which there was no gun in Joseph Smith's hands. Um, and uh, there, there are multiple things that were left out um, hmm. as far as his violence level and that kind of stuff. What about the issue of plural marriages? Was that something that was left out of the history of Mormonism by the, the modern LDS church? Like, did they talk about it? They address it? Was it like, Kind of a hush hush thing it wasn't addressed in like sacrament meeting um which would be like a a sunday morning service that's sacrament meeting um okay. so if somebody was giving a talk it usually didn't include much church history um and you would have to go and search these things out hmm. and so if anything was the least bit skeptical it was anti. We don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> it's just like it. It was. 
um, it was met with, in fact, in the series, like the bishop kind of saying, like, you know, I, I don't concern myself with those kind of questions. Um, that's essentially the how you would be met with if you were digging in too deep. Um, that hmm. you don't you don't question those things. Um, we weren't around at that time. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting about the the whole like the series, and I don't know how accurate this is to the actual murder investigation but in the series the lead detective on the case of this double homicide is lds and he's trying to be a good mormon he's trying to lead his family well yet in order to investigate this murder case he's having to go back and examine the history of the church because that's what motivated these two brothers to do what they did because they were basically taking literal the original teaching of the church and so you see through this series, the more that this detective digs, the more the church is standing in his way to just go, no, don't dig. Don't ask questions. Just put it out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's just so um, infuriating as a, as a viewer. You're like, oh my gosh. I, I feel that that was, it, some of that was very Hollywood. Um, yeah. I never had any access to general authorities and I worked like right down the road from them. Mm. Um, so that part I felt was very Hollywood as far as like them stepping in um, to, it's like the general authority coming into the the police station. I was like, right, oh, to try to obstruct like justice really or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, as far as the narrative um, of what you're taught at church, I don't feel that anything that didn't come from the church was taught. So it was like, Hmm. Church printed church history is what you get. Right. And um, it, there's not anything. It, it, uh, one of the Lafferty brothers talks about, um, you know, oh, you want me to look up the BYU scholar? So it's like anything that's BYU, LDS College, Enzyme, like, mm, it's all yeah, under yeah. the same umbrella. Right. So the series was very careful to kind of show two two Mormonisms, two LDS churches, the, the extreme FLDS, right? Those guys that are living out in the woods with multiple wives that are all, you know, churning their own butter and making their own clothes. Yeah. Uh, and then the more mainstreamed, happy, clappy, balanced, family-oriented, very emotionally healthy type of Mormonism. Um, did you find that portrayal pretty accurate or do you think the divisions there are a bit more nuanced and complex? Yeah, Um as far as the divisions, I don't think I ever came in contact with anybody that was FLDS, um, mm -hmm. except at like the store. And I kind of mentioned this to you in a text that, you know, there are people in Salt Lake um, that are FLDS, mm -hmm. but you can tell because of how they're dressed and they're still right. dressed very different. Um, but they typically keep to themselves and so it was not something that i really um experienced myself as far as like what they believe um but i feel that the show did an amazing job of capturing just lds people in general hmm. um like the house having families are forever on the wall and the 
the little cap sleeves and them drinking lemonade and milk, you know, like there are so many things that are tiny details that the show captured that I'm just like, we've never been represented this well before. Yeah. 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 But yeah What's it with was the just, cap it sleeve? was really well done. Um, that's to cover garments. Um, so it, with, um, women's garments, they come to right here. Um, and so women will always wear either a cap sleeve or a short sleeve, um, to make sure that they cover their garments. Okay. When you say garments, because somebody listen there, like, uh, I've got garments on right now, but not the same garments you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so there is something that you receive in your endowment. Um, it, that has been labeled magic underwear. Um, but it's your underclothing, um, that you would wear. It's the closest thing to your body. Um, so men receive a, it used to be a one piece, um, but now it's a shirt and shorts, um, that they would receive in the temple. Hmm. And so they're supposed to wear it all the time as a good Mormon. All the time. The only time that you're not supposed to wear it is if you're swimming. Um, if I'm trying to remember if you're swimming, if you're exercising and there was a couple of other like nuanced, like you want to respect your garment, but you also mm -hmm. want to make sure that you always are wearing it when you need to be wearing it. Do you just get one? No. Um, okay. Let's just, say, cause you, you get to wash that thing every day. I mean, what's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it just becomes like your underwear. Um, and so that's supposed to represent what? I wish I knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think at that point in my walk it, through that, I had already kind of felt so much that like my brain has just shut a lot of that out um, mm. that I, I want to remember a lot of it, but it's just gone. And yeah. um, I think it's probably my brain protecting me from a few things. Yeah, no, I got you. So one, one thing that you saw in the show was this belief that you would, you'd hear a lot of characters in the show talk about both the extreme FLDS characters, but also even the mainstreamed kind of middle of the ground, middle of the line Mormons. And it was this belief in like divine revelation, direct communication with God. You know, I feel the Holy spirit leading me to do this. The Holy spirit told me to do this. The Holy spirit told me to do this. Um, and obviously, if you you know watch the series, it was that belief that was demonstrated in these men going to murder this woman. They believed that God told them to do that. They received a direct word from Heavenly Father or through Holy Spirit, you know, which they don't believe in one God, three persons. It's three different gods: Jesus, yeah. the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But um, I thought that was just really interesting, especially coming from kind of charismatic background that I did. Um, I feel like charismatics that don't understand um, the responsible use of the gift of prophecy, you kind of hear them doing that too. You know, oh, God told me to do this or God told me to do that. It's like, well, God sure is encouraging you to be irresponsible, it seems like. Um, is that a pretty common thing in the LDS church? Just people getting that kind of guidance every day for every decision um, they make? 
so for men, yes. Um, hmm. And the, I have to choose this carefully. Okay. <laughs> um, the priesthood is um, given to men. And the way that women can hear God is, um, or hear, yeah, I, I believe it, they believe it's God um, speaking to them, um, but it's through feelings and through receiving a blessing from a male. Um, hmm. But men are told that they can be the mouthpiece of God um, because of the priesthood, that they are given proper authority um, and authority is a, a big thing um in the LDS church so um some people may have a certain set of keys that gives them extra authority um so bishops would have more authority than um a, a teacher um but husbands would have like the ultimate like authority over their family gotcha so a husband would be able to get direct revelation to speak to his wife and his children because he's the priest holder. The priesthood holder. The priesthood holder. Okay. Mm -hmm. But women, not so much. Maybe they could get an emotion or a feeling, but they would really need to go get a blessing from their husband in order to, is that yeah. kind of how that works? Um, yeah. I, I feel that's accurate. And it, I think that um, for the most part, any confirmations or hearing of the voice that I was um, encouraged was through a blessing or through a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Wow. Man, I can see how that could be so dangerous, though, like taking that to its, you know, logical um, fulfillment. I mean, it's probably a lot of abuse that's justified i would imagine oh oh absolutely and i i think that's where um like in the series um it shows emma with joseph after he's received that revelation and like i completely empathize where i'm like um how can that be fair <laughs> like, mm. um so yeah it there actually was a movement for women to receive um, the priesthood uh before i left the church i don't know if they ever will, um, hmm. but it to me it feels like women don't measure up; they aren't good enough, right. and they need the priesthood to be enough. So you reference Joseph Smith receiving, in his mind, a direct revelation from God that he could take another wife, right? Sorry. And his <laughs> wife going, "Well, I don't know if God's really saying that," and him going, "Well, I'm the priesthood holder, so." Tough luck, baby. I'm getting another wife, so God speaks to yeah. me, not you. Like, <laughs> like one could just look at that and go, "Wait, is it like? Are you serious? Like, you really think that? Like, I mean, it's 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 so. From this side of it, it seems so absurdly obvious that one could say, "Well, God told me to do this, and that just so happens to be exactly what I wanted." But I'm sure when you're in it and you've been inundated with it day in and day out. 
it's probably a lot harder to challenge it, to question it, to go, something about this isn't adding up. Yeah. Well, so on my own walk, um, I found out that men could still be sealed to multiple women in the temple, um, but hmm. women could not be sealed to multiple men. So if um, I had been sealed to someone and they passed away, that's it. Um, but if wow. I passed away, they could, the person I had been sealed to could then be sealed to another person. So polygamy is still part of the LDS church. It's just through the temple. Um, Interesting. It's like huh. in, in the eternal life, that's right. where it will make sense. Um, wow. And so that was ultimately what did it for me, where I was just sure. like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Hey, so, so kind of, you know, closing up, what would you like anybody listening or watching to understand about Mormons as people and the mindset of folks in the LDS church? I think the biggest thing would be to meet them where they're at. Um, mm. and to know that if there's somebody that is in the LDS church, um, they are trying to do the best that they possibly can. Yeah. Um, and to have just a crazy amount of grace for them. So I know that a lot of the time um, Christians meet Mormons and they want to Bible bash and tell them why they're wrong. And that just drives them further in. And hmm. so it's like, if you can just have a lot of patience, a lot of love, a lot of grace, you're, you're going to get so much further and you're going yeah. to build that relationship and rapport. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was having lunch with a, uh, a guy today whose son is a pastor in Utah. Um, and he is a um, associate pastor at a church they planted, you know, with the hope and with the intent. And they're really praying that God would give them an opportunity to minister to folks who are in the LDS church or coming out of the LDS church. And um, so I was having lunch with this, uh, this guy's dad is his son that's out in Utah. And he said, you know, my son told me that he could speak with a Mormon missionary or a very devout Mormon and just through logic and rational argumentation, completely dismantle the Mormon faith easily. I mean, it doesn't take much to kind of poke holes at it and go, there is just literally no, I mean, a lot of it's just self-defeating, just this theology that, you know, tries to mesh biblical Christianity with a new revelation. He said, but even if I'm successful at doing that, almost a hundred percent of the time, it doesn't lead to these people saying, okay, I think I'm going to leave the church and, give my heart and life to Jesus through faith in Christ. Like it's very much just a, um, I'm going to dig my heels in further. Yeah. So I just thought that was such an interesting observation. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, has that been your experience too? Um, I think that it's ingrained that mm. if somebody is against the church, um, that they're, they're not just trying to speak love and truth to that person. They're against the church. They're trying to tear the church down. Mm. And 
Um, so it's almost like a um, persecution. Uh, like they, they yeah. feel that they're being persecuted. I gotcha. I gotcha. So it's almost like they're not even listening. It's, it's an anti-literature right. person that they're encountering. And so that's why I think you get so much further if you just do life with the person. Mm. Um, and I actually, when we moved um, back, my um, friend, she lived in a neighborhood that um, it, it, I think it was like 98% LDS. And so all of her neighbors, everybody um, was LDS. And as she was living there um, for several years, she just met people as she was outside because she didn't attend church, so she didn't know anyone. Um, and so she would just start letting people come into her home and just giving them cookies and hearing their stories and, you know, talking to them and treating them like humans, <laughs> just mm, like yeah. not ready to, to Bible bash, but just to love on them. And I think that's where the most... Um, forward motion will happen is where you yeah. just love on them, pray for them and model compassion mm. and understanding. So here's the million dollar question. And you mentioned before we started recording that this was the one you were most nervous about, but I'm going to ask it because there's probably yeah. people listening that want to know, um, are Mormons Christians? I think they believe that they are but I don't believe that they are. Hmm. Um, the reason I say that is the lack of grace, the lack of um, bigness of God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, his ability, I feel, is cheapened um, by works. And um, I think that the cross is cheapened by works as well yeah. um, and the the heaviness the weight of the trinity that he is three in one and um that it's it's complete you know it hmm. there doesn't need to be me adding anything to it right. for it to work and so that is where i say no they're they're not christian even though that they will say that they are sure yeah and i agree with you 100 percent. i think the most sad part about that is i had a lds neighbor for years and years and years that lived next door to us and my wife and i got to be pretty close with them we walked with them through a divorce um he got cancer and I mowed his grass, so I got cancer. He had some procedures, and my wife is a nurse, so she would go over there and change out his dressing, and, you know, we would visit him and his kids. And he knew that I was a Christian. He knew that I was a pastor, and he would want to talk about the Bible. And so we would talk about the Bible. We would talk about faith. But it was like we were saying the same words, but using a different but dictionary. they meant completely different things, yeah. Absolutely. So even the most simple words like grace, my understanding of grace is that's the unmerited favor of God. My own righteousness is like filthy rags. It's by grace that I'm saved through faith, not of myself. I can't boast about it. And in his mind, no, you can do pretty much everything to get you salvation, but what you can't do, God kind of gives you a little booster shot of grace, right? 
Um, but even things like atonement and even heaven, like the afterlife, they were just complete two different understandings of that. And um, it was just really hard because, I mean, I would invite him to our church all the time. And he actually sent, <laughs> this is kind of funny, uh, there were a lot of missionaries that would come over from his ward to like, you know, eat dinner at his house and stuff. And he told them about me and uh, they showed up at church one Sunday morning. And uh, it was pretty funny. There's, you know, Elder Jones and Elder Smith, you know, come <laughs> walking into, you know, our, our church. And um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting, but um, yeah, I think in his mind, he thought we were, you know, Christians, we're both going to, you know, just two different churches. And, and so many times I had to tell him, no, brother, we're like, we're on two different pages, you know? So how do you love a Mormon friend or neighbor or coworker and share with them truth at the same time? I think, again, just patience and meeting them where they're at, um, because it, it is a lot of using the same words, but meaning very different things. And mm. so you may have um, a conversation about discipling a person, or you may have a conversation about the atonement. And even the atonement is two different things to them. Like, you know, we, we think of the atoning blood on the cross and they think of the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross isn't really mm. mentioned much. And so there, there are completely different things that um, go through their mind when they hear words. So it's almost a deconstruction process for them to hear grace, to hear love, and to know that it's not something you earn. It's not something that you work and get this, but that God just loves you right where you're at. And hmm. to model that and to be the vessel to them. And we're not perfect. We're not going to do it perfectly. But to plant that seed, God will use that throughout time. And there were so many times that I was in and I would hear my cousin who had called me and he just lovingly said, I don't think you should do this. I love you. And I'm going to keep loving you. And, you know, I would hear that in my head whenever I was having questions and I'm like, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Hmm. And I, I think that those seeds, those moments can come back and that can help to dismantle the shelf that they can finally say, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. Wow. I don't have to keep going on this insanity loop. Yeah, I can leave. Wow. And that's good. Wow. Well, Blair, thank you so much, man. You have shared uh, just so much that has uh, just been really helpful in kind of understanding this. Um, well, I hope I wasn't more confusing, though, because no, there's so no, no, much no. to it. <laughs> I feel like we probably just scratched the surface. There's probably a whole lot more there. Um, oh, yeah. But I would say if you're interested in, you know, just a crash course and just a really entertaining uh, TV series, Under the Banner of Heaven is out on Hulu. Um, and, uh, good series. There's, it's a little violent. So if, um, true crime stuff is a little much for you, just watch with caution. Um, I don't seem to remember there being too much language, but the, the last episode has a few F-bombs, but. Okay. Yes. Good warning. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah, don't make sure your kids are in bed when you watch it. And so, yeah. But um, anyway, well, Blair, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You, you, uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. 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 And we'll have to uh, give Gabe a hard time about uh, dipping out <laughs> and being a slacker. So if you guys have any questions, um, you can send me an email. I know Blair's sent a couple emails in her day asking questions. So uh, you can send an email to beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us via the Facebook. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review. Or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.